Hi, my name's Brandon. And if you're anything like me, you could be brown, you could be blue, you could be violet sky, you could be hurtful, you could be purple, you could be anything you like. Get into the groove, the podcast where we find a groove and we get into it. And here with me today, as always, she was in the parlor with the candlestick. It's Jeannie. Lovely. Nice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Look, you're just gonna get dumber as time goes on. I'm okay with on. that. No. Yeah. Guys, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, today we're talking about an album. This this particular album was the first. CD that I ever purchased with my own money. Do you know what the first album you've ever purchased was? And I'll go ahead and expand that to like digital copies as well. Like if you, if you. I do think I remember, I think. So my mom had a cassette tape of Bon Jovi Slippery When Wet. And oh. I think I bought a CD <laughs> oh, version of it man. for myself later as an like preteen. That is exceptional. That's spectacular. Yeah, yeah. you love that? Yes. You love that? <laughs> yeah. Could, could not have asked for a better answer. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, terrific. Also here with us, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. It's Colton Cox. Howdy, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Same question. Do you know the first album uh, you ever purchased? I do, and I am iTunes very, or otherwise. Very ashamed to admit Shh. what it is. Uh, it was at the House of Sight and Sound in Salina, Kansas. Uh, R.I.P. Which, yeah, R.I.P. Yeah. to one of the greatest music shops ever. Um, oh. But it was <laughs> uh, stained. Break the cycle. Oh. I don't know. Oh, you were heavy sad. Yes, it was. uh, You'll know exactly what album this it is because it's been a while. (gasps) Get away from me. Get away. That whole album sounds like that, too. If you weren't depressed before you listened to that album, you've been come out depressed. Listening wow. to that album. Well, Which is funny because it's one of the more optimistic ones. <laughs> that uh, <they've> okay, <laughs> well. Sorry about whatever. Well, you're now going he does through. country music and he's like, not a fan anymore. Yikes. He's, he's also said some said some shit that I Canceled. don't like. Well, that whole story took a depressing turn. All right. And also here with us, <laughs> draw four, bitch. Ugh. It's Melissa. Draw four. Draw four. Like Una. Yeah. All right. Reverse, reverse. Hey. What was the first album you ever purchased? Do you know? You know, I've been sitting here thinking about it, and I, with my own money. <laughs> well, if you can't remember that, just when you, you, you purchased for the first time. Um, the first album I remember, like, I remember picking out in the House of Sight and Sound also. Yeah. All right. Um, was... <laughs> It was the Michael Jackson two disc history album. <gasps> wow. That's amazing. Cause I already had the tapes. Like I, I was, I, that album was probably if like, if my childhood had a soundtrack, it would be that album. Hysterical. I need you to like, stop making 
us look not cool. Because <laughs> your first concert was Wynton Marsalis, who's like a jazz legend. And now your first one is like Michael I have Jackson. one very serious question for you, Colton. <laughs> have you met my parents? <laughs> True. Definition cool. Okay. My parents both saw Earth, Wind & Fire at Red Rocks in Denver oh. on separate nights, but the what same the weekend fuck? before they ever met. Oh, I love that. That's cute. What? That's so good. The fuck? Also, Earth, Wind & Fire oh, at Red wa- Rocks? Listen, I've never been to Red yes, Rocks, but it's uh, on Dope's Hill. It's just a shout out to, yes. to Patsy. Kristen. Also, a uh, weird story, but my dad used to run a club in Prohibition, North Carolina, and uh, of course, this was back when, on the Chitlin circuit, right? Charlotte was on the mm. Chitlin circuit, mm. and he watched Ray Charles shoot up heroin in the back room of his own club. Oh, uh, fun fact! That was fun <laughs> so for me. my parents... <laughs> Wow. Made sure I had a good music education. Fair enough. Damn. Fair enough. Um, and, and I guess similarly in the way that your childhood soundtrack was like essentially the best of Michael Jackson, mine was the best of Madonna. So That is nothing to laugh at, though, <sighs> because Madonna. Madonna. The you have to give Madonna her props. Although, Madonna, stop with the accent. I'll let you deal with it. <laughs> Sounds crazy as hell. Where'd you pick it up? We know you ain't it? from Hobodell. <laughs> and, like, uh, the, the artist we're talking about today has been compared to the likes of Michael Jackson, the likes of David Bowie, the likes of Prince, the likes of Freddie Mercury, mm. especially. Mm. The album we're talking about today is the debut album of Mika. Mm. Life in Cartoon Motion. Mm-hmm. And this came out in like, this came out in 2007, February 2007. Yeah, February um, 2007 in the UK, March 2007 in the US. Specificity. I like it. Um, it's important because they're different versions, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. We are going to be talking about the American version. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's one that's also listed on Spotify. And there's not much difference between like the standard European and like the, the American version, but there, there's, there's a little bit. There's a little bit of a difference. Um, so yeah, Melissa brought this album to us this week. I did. Melissa, why do you think that this was this is a, a, an album um, worthy of discussion? Well, partially because I feel like I have to give it more than it's due because I slept on it. Um, hmm. You tried to introduce this album to me. I don't know how many times in your truck at the trailer in Brookville at multiple times in our friendship for a few years because this came out in 2007. That's when I graduated high school. We weren't even friends then. Oh, right. Yeah. So um, and then when I did give it a actual chance, thank you, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I realize what a masterpiece it is. This and The Boy Who Knew Too Much are what I would base the musical that we want to write on. It, it is pending. Is it will happen. A boy Who Knew Too days. Much. Is that also Mika or is that different? That's Mika. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that the one right after this, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He came out of the gate with this album and mm-hmm. it's like. It's a statement. It really it's is. It truly is. statement. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, very poppy. So if you don't like pop, sorry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the 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 album opens with the first track, Grace Kelly. Oh. Um, do we need a refresher? Do we all know Grace Kelly? 
You know Grace Kelly? I know Grace Kelly. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So we, yeah. I remember Grace Kelly because it would play on like, uh, I think IFC used to do music videos. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I think that's where I, I saw it. And, and that's this, how I was familiar with it. Yeah. I know this song. This, this was like, Grace Kelly uh, by itself was like top of the charts when it came out. And I think mm-hmm. it, it was stayed on the charts for like five, six weeks, five or six weeks when it came out in the UK. Um, the first time and the album itself was like the ninth best-selling album of that year um so I, it was it was everywhere mm-hmm. um yeah and the song was written so i learned um because he was trying to take this he was trying to like get a record deal he's he trying, trying to get a record deal and they were on a label they it's funny colton and i were having a conversation outside actually because he was saying it was very poppy and he, they were actually asking him to be more mainstream and more poppy. They wanted him to be more like a strange. Robbie Williams thing. Yeah, he is a little out yeah, there. He yeah, he is. And so this was yeah. his kind of answer to all of those like, no, 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 no. Because Relax, Take It Easy, actually, he released that in 2006. Yeah. So that was already out. So he kind of already had a sound going. That and they the, wanted it to be something the else. the very first. Very new, first song yeah, he yeah, released, period. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There... I think I have a quote here. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Oh, yes. Um, he says, Grace Kelly was written after these musicians were trying to mold me into what I should be. I was really angry. So I wrote the song and mailed them the lyrics and they didn't call me back. Mm-hmm. Um, but what the fuck ever? Because yeah, sorry for you. <laughs> right. This, this album came out and it was like, ba-bam. Um, I, okay. So let's get into the song. It starts off. Um, I want to talk to you. Yes. The last time we spoke, Mr. Smith, you reduced me to tears. I promise you that won't happen again. Ding. These, <laughs> these little pieces of dialogue are from the film The Country Girl, mm-hmm. starring one Miss Grace Kelly, um, who won the Oscar for this role, um, beat out front runner Judy Garland for when she was in... Uh, I'm on the a star is born. Um, <laughs> Judy Garland was the front runner for a star is born. Everybody thought she was going to get the Oscar, but Grace Kelly came in and said, "No, ma'am, it's me." Um, no, ma'am, gotta win this Oscar before I go off and be a royal. Bye. Yeah, that <laughs> that is a solid point to bring up because the line is, "I tried to be like Grace Kelly, but mm-hmm. all her looks were too sad, too sad because she was a princess. She gave up her Hollywood mm-hmm. career to be a princess." Mm. Meghan Markle, we stand with you. Um, just, you know. Um, Relevant. Trying to be. Um, we're so political on this podcast. <laughs> I see. I don't know why we're doing this if we're not political. I mean, I did watch that whole thing. So like, I have not the seen The interview? Heck yeah. yes, I did. Okay, okay, a brief like rundown. <laughs> what was your uh, well, reaction? Oprah was Oprah. Uh, uh, yeah. But Who is having that she conversation? Was less talkative Oprah, which was good, I think. Yeah. Um, Meghan Markle was almost too put together for me. Like I almost wanted her to lose her <laughs> shit a little bit, but she didn't. But she was she was great. Like she was well spoken or whatever. But she was trying to hold it together so much, and Harry just came out and he's just like, "I said what I said." <laughs> <laughs> repeating itself you know yeah and so it's like we're living this now 
again. And it just, it just, yeehaw. What? So, yeehaw. Yeehaw. <laughs> We're on the ride. <sighs> I guess. I, I hate Stop the world. I want to get that. off. I hate you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, history is repeating itself and it's bringing up that conversation again. It's do we need the monarchy? Do we need the royal family? Well, not we, as in Americans. Because we they certainly do? don't. What do they do? Have you seen the crown? The answer is nothing. Yes. Um, I've seen the crown and the answer is nothing. Thank you. Anyway, um, so yeah, Grace Kelly, right out the gate, Hello, um, is the first track. Um, what did you guys think, Colton, Jeannie? Do you like the song? Do you hate the song? I like the song. It's catchy. The whole thing is catchy. Mm-hmm. That, the whole album? Yeah, the whole album. It's like a really nice, juicy little pop bop. Yes. He knows how to write a pop song. The pop bop. Yeah. He do. He yeah. do. It's fun. The, I mean, even the slower bits are still... Um, Catchy in Yeah, catchy way. enough mm-hmm. that you're into him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a good song, though. I like this one. It's fun. This is um, the first of a few of these songs where he borrows the melody from another song that already exists. Oh, what is this one? This is an opera. Um, Which makes sense. Yes. Yes. Due to his background. It yeah. is um, from the Barber of Seville. Largo al factotum. Well, I've never I'm seen Barbara like Seville. Opera. Yeah, um, that's an opera name that I've heard of. That's yeah. where uh, I wish um, I could conjure up why really I remember one. that. The, the, the Looney Tunes, the, the Bugs Bunny. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, but I also think that I had to reference it for a paper I wrote. I'm sure. Oh of yeah. It. I'm sure that it was like tied in. I was like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But wow. now I can't tell you what for. <laughs> Well, if it comes to you, jump in. I will absolutely. Well, this uh, I I bring that up because um, I was going to bring this up at some point during this, but I feel like Mika is very much someone who like either is like inspired in a in a moment and then like just you know pumps out a song in in five seconds, or he um, is someone who just lifts things from other people and repurposes them. Yeah. Um, and that's not a, a diss or anything. It's just. Successful artists do that. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, all art is. You know how to recognize a trend by something and use else. It. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting that he um, he's very open about it too, like that he borrows melodies from other songs and things like that. Because I mean, it's not it's not ripping it off because he's completely changed the whole thing. But yeah, it's just he's not uh, sampling it. He's yeah. using it as like a jumping right. off point, like right. as an inspiration. Yeah, and he talks about in um, the recording process how. Um, a lot of the stuff that he could have just sampled, he didn't want to. He wanted it to be a live performance thing because it's got a different um, different sound, different feel to it. He's also fantastic live. Yeah. I'm sure. He's so good. He's, oh, well. he's someone who I'm sure his voice sounds almost exactly the same it live does. as it does. Also, can we talk about, okay, Let's straight out the gate. Let's just give on the first song. Let's give him my whole reign, shall we? <laughs> the whole thing. Just want to see what he can all do. the way up there. Because all that, all that in the background, that high, that's all him. Mm-hmm. And he does it live, now, and it is did he perfect? He didn't record all the instruments himself, right? He had studio musicians. For yeah, that. he has he had a band in there. Are most of the vocal lines him, I'm yes. assuming? Except for, you know, I'm sure there's I, I think I've heard 
a woman's voice. When he when There's he weaves live, he has one person on stage with him. Like okay. he doesn't have background singers. He's got like this one girl who's kind of like, kind of like in Tank and the Bangas, um, uh, Jelly. Jelly. Yeah, yeah. it's like mm. just the one hype girl who like has a couple of background lines, but is more there for. <laughs> okay. Excitement. Yeah. All right. So it's mostly him. Um. Yeah. We just got big two two big snorts of air from me and you, so that's gonna be that's gonna be fun to edit. <laughs> so uh Humphrey, we're leaving. Kaching. Humphrey we're leaving. Um if you wanna give us a, a, a full kaching, I wouldn't be best. Kaching Thank you. Um and we go into Lollipop. I just I adore What's the this big song. idea. I love the song so much. Why? I you know I'm not real sure. <laughs> I, it's it's one of those songs that first hit. I loved it. Like for I I, I love the message number one because to, to me how I interpret it is it's it's one of these uh, kind of like a um, like a cautionary tale. It's a cautionary tale about putting all of your fa- all of your purpose in life in finding love or being loved when really yes. it's just like that's that if you do that that's going to ruin you like you can't you can't make that your focus and i i of course love that message live your life until love is found yes live your life until love is found yeah. and the- also that breakdown <laughs> gets me every time it's so fun the the song was written for his um sister his younger sister mm-hmm. to tell her um essentially not to have sex too soon because um it means different to boys than it does to girls um and they could take advantage of you so just you know don't suck too hard on your lollipop or love's gonna get you down and the <laughs> the the girl speaking what's the big idea and then she see, the she does the breakdown mm-hmm. um that's mika's cousin audrey yep that's right it's a family affair um so yeah. two things from from me uh, about this song. One is, um, you know how sometimes there's just like things that your friends say that are like their catchphrases. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. So my friend Sean, for the longest time, he would always go, "Hey, been trying to meet you, right?" Right. <laughs> I was just like, "That's the thing Sean does. That's just the thing Sean." I didn't find out till years later that it's hey. From the pixies. the pixies, yeah. This is another thing that one of my friends <laughs> used as a catchphrase. What's the big idea <laughs> that I did not know was from a song? <laughs> Who are they? You. Oh, it was me. Oh, you. Oh, okay. I figured it would be you. <laughs> oh, it was probably me, but you by proxy. I've heard more about Mika from you than I have from her, but I've interesting. We've listened to. Mika That's because you don't come visit me. <sighs> Um, and now it's down for posterity, folks. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, he walks right into him. Um, the other thing is, I I don't know if it was in reference to this song specifically, or if it was just a, a Mika quote in general. But it was talking about um, some of the songs on this made people question Mika's sexuality. They yeah. did, yes. And the quote was talking about how um, Mika likes to sexualize music, mm-hmm. 
but he doesn't he thinks that it's like boring to talk about his sexuality yes. yeah. yeah it was yeah, it was yeah. just a really interesting quote that i thought yeah well and he's he's always been very um I don't want uh, androgynous isn't the word ambiguous. Am- yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and his music is too. I mean, he mm-hmm. flips over from perspectives to perspective from song to song, and yeah, he just writes whatever so it the is, song means. Yeah, exactly. Which, whatever. I mean, he as a person is kind of like androgynous anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to like put labels on him or anything like that. And he has said, um, and like the late aughts, right around with this and Boy Who Knew Too Much and Origin of Love, it all came out. He was, um, he was not putting a label on himself because he was, I guess the true word would be pansexual. He's yeah. he, he was pansexual at the time, yeah. um, but then later in his career started addressing the sort of homophobic things that was happening in his career and in the world, and was like addressing it head on, and then like started identifying. Uh, not as gay, but like with gay things. Okay, guys, sense. but and also let's remember, <clears throat> this is probably not an easy topic for him to deal with because he is Lebanese and Israeli. Yeah. Yes, uh-huh. yes. <laughs> like yeah. those two things. He was born in Beirut. Right. Like, yeah, that's probably not something that he could have really come out straight on head on about until he was at a certain point in his life. So it's, but I, I also like the way that he was just like, it's really just not a topic of conversation it doesn't matter yeah. well and if he is pansexual or something like that um you know the terminology has been around for a while but it, it's only become more mainstream nobody was things. going as pansexual in right 2007. exactly there were there were obviously pansexual people that existed but you'd say you're bisexual but it wasn't amazing. something like yeah and when they exactly say pansexual like saying. everyone yeah, knows what it bisexual. is that was not the right. case back then that right. was a whole new thing you didn't have you're a label didn't have a label you could subscribe yourself mm-hmm. to if you wanted to because it was just not as commonplace it's it's like not you, most people who are pan, who are pans truly pansexual probably have originally identified as just bisexual because yeah. that's yeah. the easy well i feel like if you thing. are pansexual or or something beyond just the regular binary it's got to be something that you don't really even know yourself until you finally come across the thing that like you oh, find yeah. a term I mean, and you're so like, Hey, yeah, right. breakdowns guess lately. what suddenly right. makes sense. <laughs> I like all the people. Yeah. yeah. I, I just think it's, I, I, people seem to think that this is like a new thing. And I say people, I mean like people who don't pay attention to gender stuff. Act like it's a new thing, but these terms have been around for a while. It's just not been, Commonly used. It's Commonly not in the used. vernacular. It's yes. not, yeah. I would like to take a moment to talk about the artwork because this music video is um, a cartoon fully. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's kind of a lyric video because whatever. Um, and it's kind of using like um, Red Riding Hood and the mm-hmm. wolf, like that whole thing is like a storytelling element. Um, but the uh, line, um, take a look at the girl next door. She's a player and a downright bore. Jesus loves her. She wants more. Oh, bad girls get you down, right? And it's got this image of this big girl in a bed and um, and the Jesus lover loves her. She wants more. There's like four wolves coming out and they're like flexing or whatever. And like she does this thing with her arms when bad girls get you down. She's like, oh, bad girls get you down. <laughs> like it, it cracks me up. Um, and the artwork that's used like on this album cover, the next one, and kind of throughout his career, um, it's Mika and his sister Yasmin. 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 Pardon me. Um, 
they did the artwork together, and it's heavily featured throughout, like in yes. all of his other videos. Why do you hate me? Um, so yeah, I just wanted to take a a moment to, yeah, to talk about that. The cover art itself or the, or the video? Uh, All of it. Like it's, it's all the same style. It's all the the same style. And just to give her her for real due, uh, Yasmin, 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 sorry. Her pen name is, uh, Dewack. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also really love like the second line band element that's happening. Oh, isn't that right? Second line. So like, okay, in in New Orleans, when they have the, the yes, and the, they have the parade, mm-hmm. and they're marching to the burial site or whatever, mm-hmm. and the band is following, and they're playing something somber, and they actually have the burial, and then they're like marching away, and they play like joyous music, mm-hmm. and it's all like upbeat or whatever. It's called the second line, right? I believe so. Okay. Anyway, my point is is that it is featured like in the song, like towards the end of Lollipop. It's like this second line band feel. It's very it's very exciting, and I love it. Yeah, the trumpets they go ham. Wouldn't have it any. Which other may way. be why I have a sauce pop. <laughs> spoke to you. Spoke to you. I love some trumpets. And we get out of these two <laughs> big upbeat songs into something a little bit more serious. We get our first sort of like taste of drama in this album we go into my interpretation Mm -hmm. which he has said is full out a breakup song Mm -hmm. but it's a breakup song in the way that um it's it's sort of telling the ex-lover that you're not going to understand why i'm breaking up with you this is my interpretation it doesn't make sense to you and it won't i'm sorry love you goodbye which is more often not the issue so it's it's the issue it is. And, and we feel responsibility to try to explain this to the partner. But at the same time, it's like, you know, good. you, you, yes. you, like, you, you want to stay on good terms. Right. You want to feel like you're not a bad exactly. guy. And have you ever ha- like been in the middle of that conversation and in the back of your head, you're just going, you're never going to get this. Like, I, I'm, I will never be able to explain to you why this is making sense to me and it's not making sense to you. I want to explain it to you, but I can't. Like, I, yeah, yeah, but I also want to make you feel better about it. Because it's also probably about me. <laughs> I think this one is um, one of the examples of why I can listen to Mika and not just be like completely overwhelmed by the pop sugar of it. Because <clears throat> while I don't think that he's like the most remarkable lyricist in the way that he describes things, he's still able to talk about complicated subject matters while being like broad enough for it to be understood by different situations, be applied Mm -hmm. to different ideas. I think he's broad. I also think he's concise in certain situations. Yes. Yes. Where he like just says the thing. Oh, this is what this is about. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I mean, and I, I know what I look for during the headlights and listen to, and I, my thing is like, I know me as someone what I look for in a lyricist is not like the typical um, writing. It's, it's very specific, unique things like deer in the headlights that are very like, you know, it's not pop, not pop lyricism, but it's like imagery, poetry based. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, And I'm not always that way, but this is just an example of how pop songwriting done really well. And that like, you Mm. can 
still be broad enough to have be understood by a really big audience, but still be a very unique and like direct uh, perspective. Yeah, and I think the like this being successful pop music. Um, what am I trying to say? Um, the fact that he is an international star and yeah. like successful in a lot of places kind of speaks to that, uh, at how successful of a pop star he is Yeah, mm-hmm. because he can reach so many different people and like, yeah, speak so many speaks different like at once. seven different languages. This is also true. This whole thing just makes me think of that, um, Netflix series that I started watching, uh, huge in France. Or big in France, whatever it is. Oh no, yeah, you're right. Huge in France. Yeah, yeah. It, he's. It's about this French comedian named Gad, who I, I actually knew about before the show, but um, I'd only seen like one stand-up of his. But the whole thing, like the whole show, he keeps trying to defend himself to people in America as like, no, like I'm really huge, and he shows them like this real. It's like spectacularly put together of him like performing for these huge crowds, and like it's a very professional trailer, and they're all like, "This is all in France." Not in America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it just makes me laugh because Mika's like internationally known, but America's just like, whatever. Right. Yeah. What are you, British? Fuck you. Mm-hmm. What are you, gay? <laughs> well, I think now we what speak a little gay? different. You're gay and foreign. <laughs> and and you Lebanese. <laughs> I, I said gay. And um, your grandmother's Syrian. <laughs> I don't even know where that is. I don't even know where that is. <laughs> Man, I didn't know we were going to work on our racist American characters today on the podcast. Oh, we grew up in Salina, Kansas. We should, this should be down pat. Right. <laughs> to a T. Yeehaw. Oh, here he goes again. <laughs> what is with you in the yeehaw? I don't know. You now I'm just feeling kinda... it tonight. I think I'm just, uh, now that I know that I got under Brandon's skin, I think I'm just Yee- digging into it. <laughs> yeehaw. Damn it. Do you the- hate the yeehaw? <laughs> I, 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 I just, it caught me off guard. Oh, okay. I just wasn't expecting it. it and now now he's just doing it to I like just to say twist yee-haw. the knife. It's funny to me. Sometimes about things I'm not yeehawing about either. I just say <laughs> it. I had my, my friend Josh once said that there's two kinds of cowboys. There's cowboys who say yeehaw. And there's cowboys that say, y'all, y'all. <laughs> We're moving on. <laughs> Unless anybody has anything else to say about my interpretation. Or cowboys. Or cowboys. <laughs> All right, continuing. Country Western. <sighs> we go into another um, Pop Sugar song, Love Today. Everybody's gonna love today, gonna love today, gonna love today. Listen, according to the critics, forgot. this was not Pop Sugar. <laughs> anyway, the critics hated him. this album. Oh, yeah, I top to bottom. Pitchfork review, and they gave it a 1.5. They hated it. They were like, this is bad. Didn't understand. I, I just top wanted to bottom, to, they shat uh, all over it. I just wanted to um, pull up the um, some of the the critiques that I read for Do it. Life and uh, this song in particular, except that my phone is not letting me do that. Um, so, I think the way it says, "Love, love me." My favorite. Love, love. 
Uh, Heather Ferris from All Music wrote, Mika straddles the line between adorable and annoying. Uh, Gra- Graham Griffith from About.com wrote that the song finds itself hijacked by Mika's otherwise appealing falsetto, which morphs into an unflattering shriek and transforms the song into something altogether intolerable. Okay, one, in the opening song, he comes right out the gate and says, I tried a little Freddy, which is mm-hmm. directly a reference to a Freddy Mercury. Mercury attempt. Yeah, exactly. Which I think he encapsulates beautifully on the album. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. So it's pretty shitty of everyone to try to shit on him doing well, the whole falsetto. Now, and there are some, some of the good ones. vocals. Yeah. Soaring, Soaring vocals. Soaring vocals. That's a range, vocals. y'all. <laughs> Some of the uh, uh, the positive ones are just as like backhanded. G- no, no, not backhanded. Great in the opposite direction. Like oh, okay, okay. Um, another uh, Lizzie Inover from BBC Music wrote another winner. Truly funky disco pop that has you shoulder shimmying nonstop. And even though you yes. hate yourself for enjoying it, you simply can't stop yourself having a great time whilst listening to it. You can't stop yourself. And then uh, Craig McLean from The Observer called it Turbo Funk Falsetto Fun Genetically Modified to Lay Waste to Hen Nights and Freshers Balls from Dundee to Jun- Dungeness. Some British stuff at the oh, end there. What the hell Dundee you just say? to Dungeness. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I'm guessing, okay. I'm guessing uh, Hen Nights are uh, Ladies Nights. We'll say A. Oh, oh Ladies Nights. Hen oh, Nights. Yeah, ladies hen, that, yeah uh, that's true. I don't know what Freshers Balls are, but. Sounds exciting. I think they call them Sounds hen exciting. parties or something, like their bachelor party. From Dundee to Hen parties, because they like dress up in little golf skirts and the little sweaters uh, and the socks and the hats, and they go drinking. But yeah, some of those. Why do I know that? Some of those negative. <laughs> I don't know. Some of those negative so reviews. Good. I was just like, man, that is horse. Yeah, they. Yeah, a lot of critics really did not like this album, and. Um, uh, they didn't understand it. They didn't understand, but the populace did not care. <laughs> no. We were out for, again, a pop bop. Yeah. That's all we cared about. We were and here it was for a, a good time. delivered. Uh, yeah. Yeah. True. Exactly. Exactly. I think I listened to this album a long time ago. Yeah? Yeah, because it's got a lot of, like, it has a lot of singles that was released off of it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I've encountered several Six. of these songs. Mm-hmm. Yes. Several of these songs well, I've encountered prior to sitting down and listening to this album for this particular reason. I also think I listened to this album at another point in time because it's like it's got so many songs on it. Why not? I know for a fact Grace Kelly they used for the the I think either iPhone or iTunes commercials for I- iTunes for yeah. ages yeah. for a really long time. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where probably a lot of people recognize Grace Kelly. Grace uh, Kelly. My 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 cousin Seth showed me this song. Was, granted, this was like after I knew about Mika. He was like, "Have you heard this song?" And I was like, first of all, yes. Yeah. Second of all, how do you know about Mika?" No. Um, he just crossed all borders. Anyway, uh, you know, I think it's really interesting. The lyrics are kind of contradicting what happened in uh lollipop right Mm -hmm. because he's saying like you know be careful about love and this song he's saying you know what fuck it it doesn't matter the cautionary tales you're given yeah you're still gonna jump into it yes probably head first but if not you're still submerging yourself fully and completely yeah so you're gonna do it anyways 
Everyone's gonna love today. Full out. Full out. You're dancing over there. I'm yeah, because I'm thinking I as she was talking about the fact that it well, as y'all were talking about the fact that it's contradictory, I was thinking about the fact that both of these out al- this album and The Boy Who Knew Too Much, all of the songs are pretty contradictory, which is hysterical because writing a musical for three characters and can fit one person's songs into three different storylines. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's very interesting. I didn't yeah. think I didn't really put that together until y'all were just having that conversation and also love today was playing in my head. Very it's very <laughs> they're they're versatile. Yes. They're versatile. Like however ha- however you look at it, it it can make sense. And as Colton said, they're wide enough that you can interpret them the way that you mm-hmm. want to. Applicable exactly. yeah. to your situation. Yes. yes. You can connect. And and I'm going to go so far as to say timeless because it's like I've listened to this album for a long time now and I, it never gets old and it never feels like I have to go back to a certain space to like this album or to get into it. Like some albums, you know, you have to go back to that mom. Yeah. But this is not one. This is one that I feel great about all the time. It's yeah. definitely, um, it doesn't latch on to any like <clears throat> genre that was currently happening at that time. Mm-hmm. It does use a lot of um, tropes from pop music just in like, you know, there's always something that's playing like a very well-known pop rhythm, like the piano. I was talking to Brandon earlier. A lot of the times when piano is playing in the songs, it's just like big chunky chords like it is in like 95% of pop songs. But I think that's part of what makes it timeless though, because he is using those tropes, but then he's inventing things within those tropes. Right. Yeah. I agree. So also not to mention that he's quoting other songs from pop culture mm-hmm. within that. So and other artists. Yeah, and yes. other artists. All right. Um I think uh we'll move right along to relax. Take, Take it easy. easy. Um so this was the the very as we mentioned before, the very first single he ever released, I guess professionally published, whatever. Um but it's really the first sign in the album um, of like some darker, some more serious tones. Like it's, it's something that's like, you know, there's some internal struggle going on. Um, uh, yeah, I guess. Okay. I'm going to say this little backstory. Um, I found this, uh, he said like as a child, he was, he was um, scared of the tube. Of, uh, he was scared of the, the subway. he, didn't like the noises. He didn't like the people, you know, and as he was, as he grew up, he, you know, tolerated it. Um, but there was one day he was riding the subway and uh, it came to a screeching halt and the lights turned off and um, he, they, they were there for some time and he was reminded of that fear he had when he was a kid. Um, and once the lights came back on and the train came to the next station, um, they told everybody to get off and, Upon getting off, he realized, um, or the, you know, everybody found out that it was the day of the um, of the, the London bombings, yeah. uh, July seventh, two thousand five. There was some bombings that happened, um, and he went home and wrote the song in twenty minutes, and that's how we have the song. I mean, from what I remember of those bombings, they were pretty brutal. Yeah, a lot of people died. Yes. Wow. And it, it, I think you said this earlier, um, you know, he just like takes a moment and is able to just pour out everything into a song. Um, 
kind of how he deals with things. That's what it seems like on this album, at least. There are people, um, I don't notice it all the time, but I notice in some artists that like, you can really tell that there are people who are constantly tuned into the sounds around them. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that I always think to is um, Jimi Hendrix's song, um, Crosstown Traffic. And there's stuff in there. There's like, there's these, <laughs> there's these guitar parts that are like, but the way he programmed it, it goes like a Doppler effect. And then there's also other things that sound like, you know, like subway trains and stuff going by, like, like the bells as they go past. It's like a atmospheric kind of Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, I've always admired that because I think it's really inventive to turn mod like sounds that you hear in your everyday that don't technically have like pitches or like maybe they do, but you don't think about it. Mm -hmm. And then you turn it into this musical element that makes it something completely different than what it is. Paints a picture, puts you there. Yeah. It's like musical personification basically. Yeah. I also found it really interesting. This um, t- this was his first single. Um, he used session musicians that um, were session musicians for Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson mm. for this particular track. Um, and he wanted to make a, a dance track that wasn't like fully a dance track. So everything that you hear is like an actual instrument. It's not like the synthesizer or anything like that. Um, it's like it, it's an instrument put through so many pedals or so many effects or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uses, uh, I just died in your arms tonight. (laughs) He uses that melody in this, in this song. Um, yeah. Those are the facts I have for you. The facts. facts. You delivered them. There you go. Yeah. I, um, I was surprised by the subject matter that it came from because, it's a, it's a pop song still, and it's yes. <laughs> Most of the time, I feel like stuff like this that has a darker undertone. It like still sounds like pop music, but there's always like something a little foreboding about it. I didn't really quite get that vibe with this song. It just seemed like a pop song. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not even the darkest one on this album. No, it's no. not. Mm-mm. Um, yeah. And I will say, when I first, do you have something to say? I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Well, I was just gonna say, um listening to this album as a kid i i think i did it uh, a one straight through the first time and then like when i had it on my ipod this was a skip for me i used this to skip this song for me for a long time and this is not the only one but this was a, certainly a skip and this is the first one the first single he released mm-hmm. made a bad choice we you know what we did maybe he no maybe he just didn't have the other songs that are popular written by that point because this he wrote this in like 2005 yeah. Right? yeah yeah and then the rest of it didn't come out until 2007 mm-hmm. so maybe this was just the poppiest thing that he had at, at that the point time. time he got poppier um ring ring which on the standard uk release is the 12th track um so it comes after happy ending and even after the hidden track um it's a bonus track but for the american release it's number six um and this is a song about a uh, uh, somebody who is in a, a possessive relationship, relationship, if you will. Um, I talked about how the last one was a skit for me when I was a kid. This was also a skit for me when I was a kid. I just didn't get it. 
I suppose. I don't know. Does anybody have anything, any opinions about this song? This is always the odd one for me, <clears throat> listening to it. It is odd. It's not a bad song, just kind of weird placing, I guess. Oh, let's hear it then. Yeah. So it sounds like this. Um, oh, shit. Well, can you hear it? I mean, it's still, you know, pop goodness. Um, but yeah, the subject matter is very. Mm. Um, oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, my brain clicked, and I said, "That's right. This is the one that sounds like a stalker. Like it's yeah. him, like declining the phone call of someone uh, who is being a stalker, I'm freaking out, and will ring, not ring. leave him alone." Is that you on the phone? Please stop calling. Yeah, it is. I a, it don't is kind want to talk to did you. Did we find any reason as to why there are alternate versions to the? Um, I did not see any, but there's like there's the standard UK version, and then there's the American right. version, and then there's a. Asian tour version. Yes. Um, a Japanese version. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just kind of curious why there are so many different releases. Cause like back in like the Beatles had alternate releases, but, that, that, but that's because they were trying to specifically form uh, like a certain genre, like that the American one, Bob Dylan was really popular. So they made it more like a folk rock album. Yeah. Right. But these songs don't really like change the overall mood of the album. And like no. the pillars are still there. The, the, like the pop, the, the singles, like the stuff that holds the album together is all still there, but there's all these little like minor pieces kind of switched around. And I, I just don't know why. I wonder if, but you know, because the UK version was released in February and the American version was released in March. Like maybe he had some kind of like, I want to include this too before the uh, it was like an american release you know what i mean like it was kind of an afterthought well oh you mean ring ring specifically yeah specifically okay. ring ring um hmm. i don't know i was curious about that after seeing how many different versions there were yeah there's quite a bit yeah because it's not just bonus tracks or like whatever it's like subbed out or the order is changed in one version lollipop is actually the first track hmm. um i don't remember which version that is but yeah it's lollipop and then grace kelly so yeah, so like the order is switched. So it's, it it doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Don't know why. Um. But yeah, I would agree. I feel like this is an um. Uh, well, on one hand, it is an oddly placed song, but on the other hand, it is right in with um like the 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 introspective songs. Like oh yeah, it's it's true. right sandwiched true. in with relax, take it easy, and any other world, which I think is the saddest point in the record. Um. You know what? Maybe, maybe it's just as simple as this. Maybe he had six or seven different set lists for this album, and he just said, "Screw it! I'm gonna release this one in this country, this one in this country, yeah. and see which one does." But like, see which one doesn't really matter maybe because it's so. not a story. I mean, literally, he could have put these in any order, and it wouldn't really matter. And it's not yeah. like I, I think it's. I think my question comes up because. Um, the music is already so universal. Like what effect does changing the, the songs on the album have? Because like I said, all the important ones are still there. Like the singles are all still there. The things that people are going to know Mika for are all still there. Right. So why change out songs? 
it just seems I, I'm just genuinely curious. I don't think it's even like a bad idea or anything. It just I'm just genuinely curious if it was even his idea or if it was maybe record label or, or whatever it might have been, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just always intrigued by that because most of the time I find that people have like alternative versions of an album for a particular reason. Yeah. You, like, it's often you have like a UK release versus like yeah. what the US release was. Right. Yeah. And that, they, it gets less and less common as time goes by having separate releases. So that's, it was curious to me that that, that happened. So. And it's interesting that there aren't any other versions like, for instance, on Spotify, the like the one that's on Spotify yeah. is like, that's it. It's the album yeah. that I have. It's like the definitive album. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And um, I think Erase is missing from one of those releases. Yes. too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I, I think he just hadn't written it yet, maybe. Or maybe he had. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, know. don't know. Have absolutely no idea. Hmm. Um, Which is crazy because is that is that we're on any other world, right? Yeah, we're about to go into any other world, yeah. and I guess it's uh, now's as good as time, uh, as good of a time as any to say that this, the sort of loose concept that's kind of holding this whole album together is that it's like a coming of age, right? Quote unquote story. Um, like so these are all like things instances that have happened in his life that he is writing about or has written about whatever um he was how old when this came out 26 25 hmm. something like that you know uh, he's 37 now this was about 10 years ago yeah well 20 years ago huh. you, who you telling <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> it seems about the right age to... So 23. Yeah. It seems like the right age to be able to actually like look back and reflect on this stuff. Yeah. With some clarity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than if you were like 23 talking about coming of age. No, but he was 23 then. I thought He's he said, 37 now. I thought he said 26. 20, well, I guess so that would have been 10 years ago. So yeah, he was 23. Years ago, he was 23. Yeah. So he must have been talking about uh, early early twenties and uh, teenage years. Yeah, which I mean, absolutely fits because yeah. it's not like these songs are not like explicit enough to like you know have like a parental advisory. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like completely isolate a group of kids or whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway. So at the end of this song um, is this little like spoken word interlude um, that is it is a family friend who lost her eye during the war in Lebanon. Um, And this is like a little uh, spiel that he that Mika says um, about it. He says, I realize in everyone's life there comes a point or several points where something happens and you have to completely change the way you have lived your life because of that one event. Um, and it really makes you readjust, rethink, and rejudge parts of your life all over again. Um, and if, for the kids at home, I would like to play that little section, if I can get to it. Same day I went to dress for wedding, same day where I went married, what happened? He's go married another girl. When he's married another girl, I am very, very sad 
my legs. How is married different lady? I no believe. After one month, I am sent up in balcony. Some bomb come for my eyes. My eyes gone. My eyes gone and found. Now I have only one eyes. I am sad until now. I no married any man after. And it goes right into any other world. So it's just a short little blurb. How her husband married another girl. How she lost one of her eyes. Um, what is? Do you know what this is an excerpt from? Is this is one of his family friends, like oh, just okay. telling this story. Hmm. So it's like somebody that he knows. Um, yeah, and like, and I think only recently it clicked for me what any other world like actually means. Um, like I, I feel like it was like kind of a song like longing for another world but really it's like it is that but like longing for another world in which you didn't have to suppress your feelings and emotions and like kind of hold yourself together because the lyric is in any other world um you could tell the difference and like the difference is like you could tell the difference between somebody who is suffering and somebody who is living a normal life because the way we live life in society we kind of have to keep it together just to save face. Um, and this is my favorite tune um, right here, this, out, this, this track. So that's that on that. Interesting. Yeah. I love anywhere that uses the word bitter. Because it's all in the hands of a bitter, bitter man. I don't know why I love it, but I love it. And also, that's a beautiful melody. Yes, it's gorgeous. And it's like that jump up into his falsetto for that. Yeah. Line there. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of like, I don't know, juxtaposition between like um, what the lyrics are saying and what the music is doing. Like it's kind of fooling you into thinking that the lyrics are meaning one thing, but like if you actually pay attention to it, it's something else. I think this is one of those moments where, the music seems like hopeful and a little bit optimistic, but the lyrics are kind of suggesting otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that comes into play later with the last track. Um, Maybe that's the whole thing of the life in cartoon motion, that it's the, um, you know, the music is kind of acting like the, the cartoon part of it. Right. You know, giving you the, the frills and the, the gilded stuff. Yes. And then the words are... I love that word, gilded. The gilded age. Yeah, okay, keep going. Um, But yeah, maybe that's the whole thing of it, like why it's called Life in Cartoon Motion, because he... Uh, I mean, especially because it's so strongly tied to his distaste for being told that he like needed to be more poppy and like change who he is, you know? Yeah. There's like the outside is the cartoon motion of like normal society saving face and and all that kind of stuff but then there's like the real stuff lying underneath of it yeah yeah at the end of any other world is a continuation of that um that same woman and i'm gonna play some more Melissa is playing uh, strings on her hair. (laughs) 
which is a summation of the whole thing, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. Yeah, and that's that on that. Um, the mood flips as the song changes a little bit. We go into this, we, we go back into sort of like the brighter poppy music-ness of it all, and we go into Billy Brown, which is the first Mika song I had ever heard. Thank you, Jackie Best, for introducing it to me. Um, yeah. It's kind of the perfect example of how Mika put something very bright and cheerful as far as the his instrumentals go underneath something that is not bright and cheerful at all. Like, right. This is a sad story. Like, Billy right. Brown... <laughs> Poe Billy Brown. <laughs> he lived an ordinary life. Yeah. Yeah. I think up until this point in my life, like, um, I had not heard something or really seen anything that was, like, really outwardly gay. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, th- these were lyrics that were, like, straight up telling you, Billy Brown fell in love with another man. Like, mm-hmm. point blank. Like, that's... And and try to deny it and try to do all the things to fix it and not, yeah. be, not be that person, but ended up not. No. Yeah. So I think also, this was around the same time I saw Brokeback Mountain for the first time. So I think it was all just, like... Mm-hmm interplaying in my head this was the first song that made me think that his repertoire could be really good in a musical because this remind like this felt like it's if straight out of a musical. show it would be a minstrel would be singing it yeah like there like i just i immediately saw it like being played out and it's just oh, it's perfect yeah it's a great visual maybe that's why i love it yeah he really sets every scene mm-hmm. yeah hysterical and um billy brown is actually like drawn he's like a character in the in the car well i guess if you're looking at the album cover um there's like some explosion of things and it's sort of in the bottom left it's that's billy brown on the couch in the middle of like the Mm -hmm. the explosion um and he is featured in a few of the cartoon music videos and relax, take it easy. You see, like Billy B- Brown, like falling through like a vortex of rainbow, which is hysterical. Um, yeah, so he's like a character that is like that keeps like reappearing throughout, like the visuals at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, are, there, are a lot of his songs remind me like they feel like. A particular style of poetry like this one in particular um not on this album but on boy who knew too much blame it on the girls and toy boy oh toy boy like there's just something very poetic about it like if i read it like i could i could i could read these lyrics on a page and just assume that's what it was like i wouldn't yeah. I don't even need the music. Like it's it all imagery. Kind of dances. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Well. He's a good storyteller. He's a good storyteller. That that Michael, what's his name? Michael Holbrook. Holbrook. Kind of reads like um <clears throat> like old-fashioned fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got a little bit of like a rhyming meter to it. Yeah. And like 
It's a cautionary tale. Mother Goose and all that. Like, I don't know why the yeah. word limerick came to mind, but that's what Okay, what yeah. Comes to mind. I couldn't tell you what the stipulations for a limerick are. I don't either. That's why I just said some <laughs> form of poetry, because I'm terrible at all that, but. But yes. it's it's like like a folk tale, like like yeah. oh yeah. we we all know Billy Brown, mm-hmm. you know yeah. The next song is <laughs> "Big Girl, You Are Beautiful." Yes, I am. Thank you. <laughs> now this uh, features a line: "Get yourself to the Butterfly Lounge Get and find yourself, yourself a big to the lady." Butterfly lounge. The Butterfly Lounge is a real place. Does it exist still? It. It it does exist now. I feel like you and I had talked about this, like when we first discovered this album. We thought it was in San Francisco. This place is in Santa Ana, yeah. Orange County. Um, Santa Ana. <laughs> Santa Ana. <laughs> yes, how the British pronounce it. Mika <laughs> saw this uh, documentary on television that featured the Butterfly Lounge. This was on like late night TV. Um, and let me give you a little history of the Butterfly Lounge. It was started by Kathleen Devine. Um, and she started these BBW parties in 1997. And um, she did this because she uh, witnessed her sister Cynthia struggle with her weight like th- throughout her entire life. Um, and it did it, it. She could really see like her self esteem suffer because of it. Mm. Um, and she went through all these crazy diets, and finally um, went uh, and had uh, gastric bypass surgery. And at the time, it was new, and so she had complications because of it. Um, and so she was in and out of the hospital for the rest of her life, and eventually, it took her life. So she um, started this whole butterfly lounge thing. And um, saw that there was like a real need for a size acceptance place, bar, lounge, club, whatever. Um, and so she opened the Butterfly Lounge in 2002. Um, and it was like, no skinty minties, only big, beautiful women, please. Um, so yeah, that's what happened. And uh, it says on their website that the last, the last time she saw her sister was at the bu- Butterfly Lounge. So there was like this like, full circle moment good so there was a butterfly lounge i think it closed because of 2020 because of covid and now kathleen zavine lives in las vegas and she wants to start a butterfly lounge in las vegas so if we have any of our eight subscribers in las vegas oh we're up we're up to eight now? yes we are eight subscribers oh my god Whoa, um, kathleen divine she uh, she is she a babe divine. She's a babe. Nice. Well, I mean, there's a lot going on here. Anyway, I don't know what that means. Titties. Melissa's in titties. Uh, I like titties. Well, here. Me too. <laughs> you gonna show me some good titties? Shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, those are. Wow, yeah, those are titties. It's time for our new segment on <laughs> Get Into the Groove. Pass the titty. Pass yeah. the titties. You want to check these out? Oh, we can I've have seen a million episodes about that. Where we on our podcast show show you titties <laughs> in audio format. <laughs> it's responses, reactions. Brandy has an unbiased opinion. Yeah. Th- those. <laughs> oh. Those are titties. <laughs> wow, those are nice. Those, are, those look round. <laughs> They look perky. They're they big look, and soft. Oh They're out. 
They look like you could lay your head on them. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> it's time for get into the boob. <laughs> now that that's a show. <laughs> I want to be a part of. Oh my God. Titties, 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 titties. <laughs> That's you know, like an hour and a half of that. I feel like, okay, so. <laughs> That's one of our soundboard sounds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Man, we sure can get off track, can't we? Always with consent, of course. Always. Of course. Always. Of course. Of course. You do not motorboat someone without saying, excuse me. May I please? Even if you are a faggot, all right, that does not give you a, a hall pass. That does not no, give you a free pass. No, it means no. Means no. Okay. That doesn't mean wait five minutes and come back. <laughs> doesn't mean have this tequila shot. It doesn't mean ask again. It means no. It means no. <laughs> all right. Um. So, big girl, you are beautiful. I mean, there's nothing really to say. The song is perfection, I think. Yeah, this is the one that you showed me when we were younger that's always stuck with me. Of course I have. I don't know what that means, but... You are welcome. (laughs) That's what I have to say to you. Um, Honestly, I think this is just the... uh, the weirdest pop song on this, I think. It's it's a lot more. Um, it's funky. It's a more kind of uh, sideways pop hit, I would say, than the other one. Like Grace Kelly, it's like, yeah, that's that's a pop song. This one's got a little little something else going on with it. Because he's specifically like, it, you know, the the girls you see on the magazines, the models. We're not talking about those bitches. Mm-hmm. No, We're talking about the real beauty. We are. And he also partially wrote this song because his sisters are not small women. Neither is his mother. So right. he's not, that's not what beauty standards are to him. Which, right. uh, what, where did he come from? It is a that's celebration of the people in your life. Because he is a twig. He is a twig. Anyway. Yes. Didn't eat enough of mama's cooking, apparently. <sighs> apparently he needs a cheeseburger. <laughs> Now, don't you body shame him. Okay, you're right. Yeah, Brandon, I remember there was a time where I used to tell you you needed a cheeseburger. Which is why I could say. And you would get offended. Oh, God. Oh, God. I eat. I eat a lot. I'm sure he does, too. (laughs) He'd be eating all that good French food and stuff. Speaking of his family, we're going right into Stuck in the Middle. I love this song. This, you know, early years was also a skip for me, but now I I feel like I've come around, I've come around to a lot of the songs that I've skipped. So there's that on that. Um, yeah, what'd you say about the song? I said I love it. Why do you love it? Well, because it's an interesting perspective, and and and, and it is specific. But it's also still not specific. Like it, it, it could kind of go other ways too. But um, it's just a subject matter that I don't think I've ever heard in a song. And how and do, how do you interpret this? Because I I asked him the same question earlier, and I'm not really certain how exactly to take this song. I, uh, the way that I interpret it as is kind of a um. 
a like a diary entry yelling at your family. Okay, yeah. I could I could see that. Yeah. Like from the kind of the invisible kid. Because he's one of five. Okay. Uh, yeah. The yeah. third of five. The so he literally five, right is in the stuck in the middle. Yeah. And you get ignored a lot. Yeah, I um sorry, Zach Jensen. He's the middle child. <laughs> that um that's I mean, I don't know that exact description, but I very much gathered that it's it seems to be like about not belonging in your family. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's the way I took it. Um, but yeah, it is ambiguous enough to not really say exactly what his issue. Except for the line, are five kids better than one? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. That's very that's specific. Just like... But I mean, if you didn't know that he was one of five, though, then, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, um, we were reading the genius description oh, yeah. earlier. And the official, like, genius description was talking about this supposed to be, like, addressing an ex-lover. But someone commented that, like, this seems like it's much more, like, apparent that he's talking to rather than. I think it's, I think it's actually, the way that I always kind of taken it is, like, that cry, it's like a cry for attention. Like, mm. like, I don't get enough of what you're, you're needing to give out because you had so many of us. Yeah. Like, you don't have enough to give all of us. <laughs> Huh. Well. And he was bullied a lot as a kid, so I think there was a lot of isolation there as well. I, I wanna. I would like to pull up lyrics. Keep talking. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah, I um, I wasn't sure how to how to break it down um when I listened to this the first couple times because it doesn't it, it it's it seems to more so describe that feeling of isolation in his family rather than like any one specific instant i would say yeah who will believe me won't deceive me won't try to change me who wants to have me just to love me mm-hmm. that line uh, now that uh, like knowing this possible interpretation uh makes a lot of sense because i yeah. feel like uh, there are a lot of parents out there that like have kids but like treat them like they're like dogs or something mm-hmm. not like they're treating them badly but like treating them like they're pets right you know what i mean um like look what my kid can do he can he can sit he can stay he can roll over whatever um or they don't see them fully so like yeah. you're yes. just it's like just they a, see them as a, a certain... cog in the machine like right. it's they're not really looking at them as one unit of a human being because they don't yeah. have time for that because yeah. they have five he's a piece of this family right yeah. Hmm. So I guess this would be a good time to introduce the family. So he was uh, born in Beirut, right? To um, he was the third of five. He has three sisters, one brother. Um, his mom is American-born; she's Lebanese, and his dad is Israeli-born American. Mm-hmm. Um, and the family was forced to leave when he was um one because of war-torn Lebanon, and they moved to Paris. Um, and another fact I have on here is uh, the first song that Mika learned on the piano was La Champs-Élysées. Who Ch- messed out on that? La Champs-Élysées. La Champs-Élysées. I hate both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Just still working on that racist American character. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This, well, you this is, is where we're going to work on. <laughs> yeah, there are people. 
God. Okay, we're not getting into that. That's not <laughs> the Last groove. chance, Elise. <laughs> That's what it says. That's what it says. That's what, what I said. it says. I said it how I, it's written. I took hooked on phonics. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> Last chance, Elise. Continue. Does anybody have anything to say about uh, Stuck in the Middle? Anything more to say than we've already said? Um, so now we go into Erase My Love. Um, <laughs> this is a good song. I hate this song. You hate this one? Uh, Colton, oh, is, is it the lyric matter? What is, is, that my, what is my one like major critique of most things? That it's too sad. The one thing the that I am the most of. Dramatic. Whiny. 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 We should know this. It's just, it's the, it's the whole, it's not just the lyrics. It's not just the music. It's the package. Like the whole thing together. All of it together. I get it. I understand it, but I don't, it's not one of my favorites. No. Interestingly, this is this, this is the song that was not featured on the European edition. Not even as a bonus track. It popped onto the American because edition. The, the British don't like whining. No. That is not true in the <laughs> slightest. Oh my god. It He's rains. It rains all the time in Britain. <laughs> they have no choice but to be sad and whiny. <laughs> anyway. I'm mean, not gonna tut tut about it though. <laughs> Any anyways. I mean, I kind of agree with you because they're they're um the I think the the, the trope is like there's like an answering machine or something, but I, at any rate, he says, put your finger on the button, erase, right? Mm-hmm. Erase the messages, erase the past, erase mm-hmm. our relationship, whatever. But then when that um, phrase comes around again, he says, put your finger on the trigger. And I, okay, yeah. hold on. Yeah. Well, now, mm-hmm. that's a lot mm-hmm. for being such a pop album. We went to a dark, dark place. Well, I always took this song as the, as the, uh, so ring, ring. Yeah. I, I always kind of interpreted that song as just post breakup, like when your toxic significant other won't let you alone. Heard, you know that there's that real hard like, yep, breaking apart piece where they won't leave you alone. They're just calling you and just begging for you back or not begging for you back or just whatever it is. The craziness that ensues afterwards. I've always felt like a race is the crazy ex's response, like the the other side. Yes. No arguments here. Which also may be why I don't like it. Uh, yeah, it ab- that absolutely makes sense to me. See, I don't know that it was so much the lyric matter. I think his, I think his voice actually sounds very good on this song. That's what I liked about it. Because he doesn't dip as much into the falsetto as he normally does in this song. And he's got a fantastic voice without having to get into that falsetto, which is usually pretty good, but it does get a little grating at some points in the album. But. I'm going to disagree with you. Listen, I lean more towards the critic side on Love Today, man. Dang. Not as harsh as they are, because like, it doesn't sound, it's not like a shriek or anything, but it's just like, okay, let's turn down that falsetto. I see you nodding over there, Ms. Jean. Do you agree? I'm trying to figure out what part you're talking about in Love Today. I'm like not hearing it in my head. Or maybe I'm not Girl, talking about Girl, blue with a big bust on, big bust on, big, big bust on. 
Maybe it's not that one. Maybe I'm thinking of find yourself a big lady. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it is Love Today, but it's one of the songs in the middle that he spends like almost the whole song in falsetto, or at least in the very upper part of his range. I'm pretty sure it's Love Today. I mean, he uses it all the time. It's, like it's hard yeah, to it's, it's hard like, to pick out. Should I, pull, should I pull it's it up? It's the song that I specifically read those critiques for, which I'm pretty sure is Love Today. I think you're right, actually. Hold on. I'm just going to jump to the middle. Okay, bad example. Yes. <laughs> Like, it's not bad. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it's horrendous. It's just like, okay. He spends most we, of the time in that falsetto. Yes, we can sing in our chest. I had the same complaint about Tame Impala. Like, we don't have to be in our falsetto all the fucking time, especially because both of them can sing very well in their chest voice. I know, but it's not the same effect. Well, I for one don't want to hear an entire song of falsetto. That's just me, but that's my well, personal the good preference. Thing only play well, you should ten never seconds of it. To Max Oil. Well, sure. I don't know who that is. So. Oh, oh, you know what? I know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, child. That's um woman's work. work. Yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he only slips into chest one time for a half a second. I just think it, it, it lacks, n- no matter whose falsetto it is, it lacks the strength that's singing in chest voice. It lacks the emotivity, I think, most of the time. Ooh, I'm going to disagree hard You can disagree that. hard on that if you want, but man, I love today drove me absolutely crazy the first couple times I that's listened fair. to it. That's fair. That particular song, no, I don't love that. So <laughs> I, get, I get that, but maybe it, you should listen to Max Whale. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Your face and Eric Benet. I I rediscovered that song. I'm sorry. I rediscovered that song the other day. Child. Wait, what song? Uh, sometimes I cry, babe. <laughs> okay. Child. I was getting into my apartment. I was going to church. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. I, uh, my ears have been screamed into several times in this episode. Speaking of church, we go into Happy Ending, uh, which features, um, uh, I'm going to fuck this up, but I'm sorry. Ida Falk Windland, who is an opera trained singer who went, who was classmates with Mika at the Royal College of Music. And that's, that's the, the other feminine voice that is featured on this song. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I mentioned this earlier with something else, um, but this is a, another song where like the music kind of conveys that there might be a resolution, that there might be a happy ending, given the title. But the lyrics are suggesting something else altogether. Like it's there, there, uh, there, there is no conclusion. We have to, you know, he has to live with, you know, the consequences of whatever he went through. And he has to deal with it himself. Um, yeah. I just love this song so much. <laughs> it goes real hard at the end. I'm having a whole yeah. moment over here. Just like, oh, it's so good. It is. 
it's it's weird. This song feels the most complete song. Yeah. Very on the whole album. Like journey. this is this song goes on a full journey. It's a an emotional roller coaster, but also very calming at the same time. And then we go to church and I just oh, I love going to church. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get it twisted, not actual church. Not actual church, but like <laughs> this kind of church, yes. Yeah, no, it's a it's it's a fabulous number. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you have feelings? Not Are you dead on the inside? Not as strong as as Melissa and you know. <laughs> Listen, I don't dislike this song, um, but you don't like this song. No, no, no. I didn't say that. Um, I just don't have anything it. in particular to say about it. I guess. Mm, okay. Maybe I need a refresher on it to know what the song is. Yeah. I'm going to jump in the middle. I'm sorry. I'm over here like a little drunk and a little tired from work. So <laughs> not good conversation. I'm just listening. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> sometimes I have things to contribute and sometimes I don't. Okay. Yeah. This one's nice. This definitely sounds like it's from a musical. Yeah, that doing that makes it easier to hear what's happening <laughs> in the song. Blackout. <laughs> I had this whole thing completely blocked know, in my mind. I know, you don't I know. understand. No, I, I, I've, I've had it described to me. And Melissa and I have had a standing idea for a musical for the past thousand years. <laughs> That features the music of Magic Mika. Multiple lifetimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because it's multiple lives. So if a representative of Mika is listening, email us at get the letter N, the number two, the groove at gmail.com. Um, and we'll have your people talk to our people. And we'll it's really good. It's all about self-acceptance and self-love. And it's going to be like a whole thing. It's going to be a whole thing. A we whole should tell thing. you now that we do not have people. <laughs> so. we, are, we are the people. We're the people. Uh, you know what? My people we're, are just me in a different accent. We're very talented people. <laughs> we're, we're people who uh, need let's, people. Let's not, uh, we're let's not multi-talented beg. people. Let's not beg. Let's not beg for them. <laughs> A people who need people and who are in many, very many ways the luckiest, the luckiest people, people in the, the world. world. If you get that deep cut, email us. Uh, email us <laughs> and and get also, actually, it's a double deep cut if we're being real honest. A reference within it's a reference. It's a reference within a reference. And if you get both. Well, I'll give you uh, one of my records. Email us at honestly. Mika no, should in, just give us two. a call because we had both of those references oh. in this. It's fine. We can write a musical. We we're ready. Okay, we're ready to quit our jobs. So <laughs> let me paint you a picture. <laughs> Continuing onward. Um. So I I remember buying this album and I remember listening to it in my bedroom. I was the only one at home, and I sat in my room and I listened to this whole thing and I was like, wow, oh my god, that was fucking great. That was such a mm -hmm. ride. It was intense. I loved it. Right. 
This is also around the same time I discovered Bjork, so there was a lot of weird things musically that, that was going on in my life. That's just a little side tangent. But happy ending happened, right? And I said, oh, wow, that was great. And I, uh, I I walked out of my room, and I was I was in the bathroom, and I was just kind of, I was sitting on the toilet, and I was just like, wow, just still still reminiscing or whatever. <laughs> um, and then in the echoes of the hallway, I hear, and I had a heart attack because it's scary. It's haunting. Mm. And I like, I didn't think it was coming from my stereo. So I looked in every other room. I was like, there is somebody here in this house, but really it was actually just the hidden track on this album. Um, So he wrote this when he was 16. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is a fact that kind of like took me aback. And I didn't didn't see that when researching. Yeah. I just, that was one thing I stumbled upon and I said, oh, Jesus. And it really, I don't know, paints a different kind of picture because, you know, here he is in his like early to mid 20s writing this album and he's kind of reflecting back. And here is a song that like it is straight from those times, right? Yeah. There's a line that says, um, well, it's like cold, dry. And then he says drunk. He says drunk several times. Um, And I think that kind of ties into happy ending because there's a line that says, I feel as if I'm wasted. Right. So like it sort of insinuates like he's trying to escape from something. Um, He uses that reference quite a bit, actually. Like love you when I'm drunk. Yeah. Yeah, oh, and Boy Who Knew Too Much. Yep. Is that that's the uh, album, right? The next one, Origin of Love. That's an that's an Origin of Love. Okay. Yeah. Because that's what like Emily and um popular. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I think this one um really speaks to like the artistic side of me. Like I I love the entire album because it was like pop princess fantasy, but this one really was just like out of left field weirdness that really speaks to me. Mm-hmm. This is the one I like the most um, because I think it has by far more gravity to it than any of the other more like introspective songs do because they're all still pop songs. This is not. This is something completely. I mean, it's stands in stark contrast to everything that already happened yeah. on the album. Yeah. Um I don't know. I just really like that like the song for that reason. Because it's um shows you the uh the depth of the songwriting that Mika has. Um and how even this pretty wildly varied album is really only like one facet of the whole everything he Right. Can do. Yeah. Yeah. And it sort of like kind of paints um, like what he had to go through as a person to get to where he's at now. Yeah. Uh, both musically and just personally. Perhaps it's um, suggestive of the fact that it's it's a hidden track too, that it's like maybe representing like the ghost of his past still like lingering, you it's know. still there. Yeah, after we've, you know, had this whole album of transformation and becoming something new, there's still this little piece that's like, you know, lingering behind. 
And it sounds like, mm. it sounds ghostly, you know. Yeah. Unless it's haunted. Mm-hmm. Ma'am. Yeah, I'm sorry. Was my face doing something? It was. I was interested to know the interpretation of that face. I um, could leave the song in the fire pit. <laughs> <laughs> Throw it right away. Mm-hmm. Put it in the garbage disposal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's just never quite sat well with me. <laughs> It is very droney, yeah. as opposed droney to like what else he he has. Very sure. like looking back, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like you were just talking about what you were just talking about, and I was just sitting here thinking, "Well, no, goodbye, old me. <sighs> Let's leave that in the past." Like, Thank I don't you. Do not well, come creep, creeping, creep, creeping <laughs> on the end of I don't my know. album. I don't know that it's like uh, supposed to be a positive thing. I think it's just kind of like a little. Oh, no, I know. I'm not saying that that's what you, oh, that's not okay. how I took it okay. either. I was just saying, like, either <laughs> way. Keep it away from me. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> we done been there, done that, over it. But, yeah. no, yeah, I don't know. This one just, I reckon really do without it. Well, with or without it, um, we know Melissa loves this album. I do, I love it. Um, Colton, Jeannie, did you have overall thoughts did you love it? Did you hate it? Did you want to break it in half? I think it's an album that I like a lot of moments from. Mm-hmm. I don't think I love sitting down and listening to the whole thing, but I like each of the songs. Like mm-hmm. when it pops on, you're not going to turn it off. Like I'm if the song comes on, off. you're like, all yeah. right, you're here, I will party. listen to the song. Sitting down and listening through the whole album, it was easy for my mind to get a little distracted every now yeah. and then, especially towards the last like couple of tracks. Yeah. Just kind of like check in and out. I think that's about my assessment too. Um, while it is a pretty varied pop album as far as all the different sounds that happen, it's still got a lot of the same things happening throughout the album. Like yeah. the piano, like I mentioned before, you know, it's in a lot of different songs, but it's always doing something I've already heard in pop music like a bunch of times. And that's not even a detriment to. The songwriting, again, it's, I think it just, like I was saying earlier, it's just evidence of him using pop tropes to write songs off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, for me, from a, a musician standpoint of view, there's not like a whole lot of interesting things happening. They're just very, like, well written pop songs, which yeah. is, it's great, but just n- doesn't intrigue me that much. Great pop. Yes, I have fantastic learned, pop. I have learned that he is he is written for other people, and he has he uses, little uh, alternate pen names. Yeah. yeah, one of them was um, Alice. Alice. Yeah, but I'm not sure who he has written for. But it makes sense, you know. Like yeah. I'm sure I, I'm sure that he could just churn them out like it's nothing. Well, I mean, evidence by over my shoulder that he can write in completely different styles too. You yeah, know? and I and I think. It might perhaps do me well to um, listen to the other two albums or even just the one after this one. I personally think you would like The Boy Who Knew Too Much better than this one. Well, I th- I say that because I feel like because this was his debut album, he had to just like pack this thing with like saturine, yeah. sugary pop hits. And the second one, he can be a little more like mature i guess on even though it's pretty mature in the Your first one sophomore too. album yeah. yeah you can you can do more because you've you've said this is who i am now let me 
I want him to hear pick back up one. off the floor. I that I, I think that's my that favorite song, song from that I album. I love that song. Yeah. Ooh, so. ooh, it's so fun to sing too. Yeah. It's very jazzy, very loungy. I guess yeah. I could say, if nothing else, the album made me willing to listen to more of him. All that's right. Good, yeah. yeah. That's Fantastic. good. That's yeah. all right. Yeah. That's that's perfect. Which you know I've already like I, I I think I've already said this, but I've already heard this album pretty much in its entirety from years and years of being friends with you two. Um, so I feel like hearing something different from him would probably be beneficial. Mm-hmm. Well, like an old queer would say to a young queer, it gets better. <laughs> so just keep Jeez. listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep something. Whenever keep I think something. of that whole campaign, <laughs> whenever I think of that whole campaign, uh, that it gets better thing. Yeah. Um, of all things, I think of um the office when Carl uh, um um. What's his name? The accountant. Oscar. Oscar uh, tries to make a um, um, it gets better video and everyone in the office just keeps interrupting him and like mm-hmm. saying stupid things. And then he just ends with it. It gets better. <laughs> I know that's the most authentic one of them all. <laughs> that that is what <laughs> and how I would say it to a young queer. Yeah. Yeah. It gets, it gets, it gets better. It's better. Yeah. I- <laughs> All right, we did it. We went through Mika's debut album. Wow. Don't. Sh- it's all right. There's we, a lot of weird sounds on this, this one, y'all. This is why we really need a visual component because, like, I'm telling you, you know what? I Next like the mystery. Episode, I'm just gonna set up my. I'm gonna bring my little ring camp light, and I'm gonna set up my freaking phone, and I'm just gonna take videos of us the whole time well, and then we, i can just pick 60 seconds we've got to do our we've got to do our uh, get into the boob segments now. oh yeah guys we have a tiktok oh my god we this is the perfect time we have a tiktok i forgot about it is that. at get that. the letter n the number two the groove dot no that's it that's the that's it um the instagram is get the letter n the number two the groove the facebook is get the letter n the number two the groove and the email is get the letter N, the number two, the groove at Gmail. They're all identical, y'all. We're easy to yes. find. Please creep on us. Send us information, send or us commentary, information, or shitty opinions or great opinions. Yes. Comment on our post because we want to hear what you think. I would I would be so thrilled to get a response. I would be <laughs> Truly. tickled to hear from anybody. Yeah. I don't it care if album. you all say that I sound like an absolute idiot. I want to hear it. Yeah, I'm we, sure we, one of I you also want to hear if Colton sounds like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, give us album suggestions if you know yeah. if there's something that you like really want us to talk about. We're we'll missing about out on it. it. Yeah. Tell us. Let us know. Uh, Expand our horizons. Horizons. Are... <laughs> <laughs> um. Next time. Yeah. Next, I think I am taking the reins on this one. Next time, we're going to be listening to Amanda Palmer and the Grand Theft Orchestra. Ooh. Theater is evil. Yeah. Um, All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Had, hey, okay. Comedy no. comes in three. No, we're done with this. <laughs> we're done with all that. Only Continue. if it's funny, Colton. <laughs> Continue. And also, if you saw your hair right now. I got headphones on. I'm going to have no, headphones. I mean, no, baby. It's not even <laughs> headphone hair. <laughs> anyway. Oh, for God's sake. 
Um, okay, we will see you in two weeks when we listen to Amanda Palmer and the Grand Theft Orchestra Theater's Evil. Until then, um, stay safe, get vaccinated, wear a mask. Do it. And I love you. Just, we're trying to have a hot girl summer. We're trying to have a hot girl summer. We, we want to see how hot you all got. All right. Get vaccinated. Let's get out of here. Get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. All right. Goodbye. ASMR me chewing a pickle. Listen, it's not <laughs> relaxing me. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> okay, no, thank I you. Fingernails for it. You gotta clink it to get the slap. They've all fallen off. Oh, this is my set, Hot Girl Summer, and I've got three of them left. So let's talk about how the year is going. I guess. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Relatable I'm back. content. Why do you only have three left? They all fell off. I put them on a week ago, and that's why I'm mad. Usually they stick around for like a good two or three weeks. A week ago, I've lost every one of them and re-glued them back on. And then like today, I was so busy at work, I lost all but three. My favorite color. They're a cute shape. Big fan of them. Can't keep them on. A little upset. (laughs) Do you file your nails before you put them on? No. Well, are you supposed to do that? That's yes. the problem. What? What? Why? You defile the actual nail, the entire, like on top, because Smooth that's what makes the glue stick, the plastic to the nail. Kind of like how you're supposed to like wash the wall before you put one of those exactly. like command yeah, strips on. Kind of like on. sanding a wood. Wood. <laughs> sanding a wood. I was gonna say like a table, but yeah.